Well, good morning, LifePoint. So glad to be here with you. Come on back, find your seat today. If you are visiting with us for the very first time, welcome. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to text the word welcome to the number on the screen, uh, if you wouldn't mind doing that at some point, just text 406-219-0314 and uh, follow the prompts there. We promise not to bombard you with all kinds of information, but we would love to uh, just kind of start a relationship with you and get to know you a little bit better. Well, hey, if you have a Bible, go to Galatians chapter number three with me this morning. Uh, we'll have the scripture, as always, up on the screen for you to follow along with us as well. But let me encourage you uh, to bring the scriptures with you. Um, if you are not in, uh, accustomed to that, um, I think it's good and I think it's beneficial um, to have the word of God uh, in your lap, reading it, whether you're reading it from your phone or reading it from the pages of scripture, um, I think that's a good thing. Um, so I would encourage you to do that. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by asking a question, uh, and I want to prepare you for the question uh, because it might be a little shocking, uh, and it might be a little out of the ordinary uh, to ask this question, uh, but I want to assure you that the question has a point, and I will draw it to a point, but you may question where I'm going with this question <laughs> at the very onset. So I'm like, how, why am I even doing this? I'm like, Lord, help me. Um, I don't want you to raise your hand, and I don't want you to respond to this, okay? Here's the question. Are you ready? ready. Everybody's ready. Yeah. Have you ever been intoxicated before? <laughs> I knew, like, there we get some kind of response from this question. That, that's not a question you typically start with in a sermon, right? Um, and nor is it a question that you typically, you know, ask in church. You ever been under the influence of alcohol or some other, you know, substance before? Again, don't raise your hand. But here's the thing. If you have, okay, you have firsthand experience of the power and control that those substances can have over your being, Right? Like if that's ever happened to you before, and everybody kind of can think of like, you know, a story, and hopefully that was a story in your past, and, you know, like this morning. Um, I, that's actually only happened one time. I shouldn't even say this on record, but yeah, anyways, I won't even, even go there. That has happened, okay? I'll just, I'll, I'll just kind of, you know, things happen in church. It's kind of weird, right? But, but here's the thing. Like, if that, you have firsthand experience, Right, like with, with the power of that substance. I mean, what happens, you lose your ability to make good choices, right? Uh, you, you lose physical control, you lose perception. Like you do things that you wouldn't normally do, right? And you uh, say things that you uh, normally would not say. That's what happens. And in fact, um, the outcome of becoming intoxicated, right, can have some pretty devastating effects. And, and we see those effects all the time, right, in our world today. Uh, in, in fact, it's estimated that some 95,000 people die every year in the United States just from alcohol abuse alone. Isn't that crazy? Nine, almost 100,000 people every single year in the United States uh, die because of alcohol abuse. Just last year, okay, uh, 2020, uh, 93,000 people overdosed on some uh, foreign substance. Uh, and that number was actually up 30% from 2019 to 2020, just to kind of show you the... Uh, the impact of the quote-unquote pandemic having upon uh, our society this, uh, in, in, in recent years. But, but drug and alcohol abuse is really an epidemic of grand proportions, right? I think we can all really agree with that statement this morning, and it really doesn't account for the people that are impacted outside of those people, 
right? The families, the friends, uh, the, you know, the person who, you know, got hit uh, from a drunk driver, whatever the case might be. But uh, every single day, people are impacted by those abuses. And it makes you wonder, of course, why our government isn't doing more to crack down, right, on the flow of drugs into our nation. That's a whole other story uh, in and of itself. And so you might be asking, Pastor, what on earth does this have to do with Galatians chapter 3 today? Well, Galatians, if you're new to this book, it's all about defending the truth of the gospel. Uh, that Galatians was written by this guy by the name of Paul, and he is defending the one true gospel to these believers, these people who had, who had heard the gospel, they had believed it, they had taken it in, they had owned it, uh, and they had begun to stray from the truth of the gospel. Some false teachers had come in and they began to teach a false gospel. They began to basically preach and teach lies about uh, faith in Christ and, and that sort of thing. And so it's all about defending the truth of the gospel and really exposing the lies that were being purported in their context, in their environment, in their world at that time. And so it was really about ensuring Paul, his job was to ensure that the Christians would not fall trapped, listen to this, to the intoxicating lies of the world. You follow where I'm going here this morning? Uh, You see, when we believe a lie, and I think we could all agree this morning that there's lies every single day, right? Turn on the news, and you can hear and see lies all the time, right? Like, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that we live in a world full of lies, right? Uh, and, And when we believe a lie, it's really no different, listen to me, than becoming intoxicated with some foreign substance, right? When we allow lies to intoxicate our minds, to perpetrate our thinking, here's what happens. It clouds our judgment, It clouds our perception. Uh, It it hinders our ability to actually think biblically about what's happening in our world today. This is what happens when lies invade our lives. They impair our judgment and they paralyze our lives spiritually. Lies have the ability to do this. They have the ability, listen, to keep you and I trapped in the prison of our own wrong thinking. And we need to learn as God's people today in 2021, in modern America, in this chaotic evil world that we live in, you and I need to learn how to combat the lies. You and I need to learn how to identify what is evil and what is true, and how do we actually stand upon what is true today. Listen, if you don't, if you don't, you will become a Christian who is intoxicated and drunk on the lies of this world. And you will wander through life in a drunken stupor. I hope that imagery really hits home with you this morning because so much of that is is what we're seeing, I think, in our world today, even in the Christian community today, is that we see people walking around drunk on the lies of the world, just going along, going along with it, and not having the discernment or perception to not only be able to identify evil, but to be able to stand up against the the, the lies that uh, combat truth, bewitched you will become, okay? Uh, If I could quote Yoda for some reason, thank you, Brad and Taylor. I'm going to blame you guys. Um, They sent me a picture of Judah in, uh, for the you know, for the record, Grogu, right? Grogu, right? Uh, Who is a descendant of Yoda, right? And that's what Judah is going to be for Halloween this year. But if I could quote Yoda, I think Yoda has some fantastic uh, quotes in the world today. But seduced, seduced by the dark side, you will be. Like, oh boy. 
aren't you right, you know, Yoda, about that one? So how do we combat the lies, right? And how do we live successfully for Jesus Christ in such a broken, such an evil, such a chaotic world today? Well, if you were with us last week, and we're going to be answering that question and really kind of pounding this truth over and over again throughout the rest of this series in the book of Galatians. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're reading it. I hope you're uh, digesting what we're talking about. But if you were with us last week, you know the answer to that question. How do we combat the lies, and how do we live successfully for Christ? Well, the Holy Spirit, of course, is the answer and is the key for those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know Christ, you have a relationship with him, and that simply means this, that there was a moment in your life that you said yes to the offer of grace from Jesus, the gift, it's called the gospel, the good news of Jesus, he died for you, he was buried for you, and he rose again for you so that you could have not only a relationship here and now, but for all eternity. That is the only way, that is the only way that we receive salvation is by faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Never forget that. But the Holy Spirit's the key, right? The key to combating the lies and living successfully for Jesus Christ. We don't learn to walk in the Spirit. If you don't learn every day to wake up Monday morning and say, how do I walk with a Spirit that dwells with inside me? How do I allow my life to be guided by the Spirit of God, to live in, to be led in, to walk in the Spirit of God? Listen, you are setting yourself up for automatic failure, and you are setting yourself up to buy into the lies that bombard your life constantly. And, And I hope you as a parent are listening this morning, because if you can't do that, if you don't have the discernment of the Holy Spirit of God to be able to walk through life and discern the lies, how are your children going to fare? If you can't do it, how much uh, more are they going to be able to do it in life? And so this is so important for us. And Paul's really going to emphasize this point as we go throughout the rest of this this book, that the Holy Spirit uh, is the key. And I'm going to do my best to help you uh, learn some practical things, because this seems like a very you know, intangible thing, like how does this happen? How do we do this? How do we actually allow the Spirit of God to lead our lives every single day? My hope is to really give you uh, some practical things to do as we go, out, go throughout this series, but one of those things is kind of a starting point, okay? Um, as we move in that direction is asking ourselves a very important question, okay? Uh, an important question I think we need to ask ourselves every single day of our lives, and this really is, it's all about how do I let the Holy Spirit lead my life. Here's the question. The question is this, is what I'm believing right now about my circumstances, is it true? So much in life, in so many of our experiences, we go through life believing a lie about our situations, about our trials, about whatever it is that's happening in our lives, we often go through those circumstances and we never ask ourselves, is what I'm believing about this situation true? You know, so much counsel in, in life could be answered just by that very question. Is it true what I'm believing or am I believing a lie about my current circumstances? That's a question I believe is really important that we need to ask ourselves as we go through life, no matter what we are facing, am I choosing to believe what's true or am I choosing to believe uh, a lie about my circumstances? Well, that's kind of where we left off last week. Uh, we left off with this idea that, that Paul, he's asking these questions. We're gonna get to Galatians 3 here in just a moment, but he's asking these people who at one time, they believed the gospel. They said, yes, we believe in what Jesus had done, but they had begun to believe the lies from these false teachers that were saying, hey, Jesus isn't enough for you. 
Like you need to add some religion to your life. You need to add some works. You need to do some good things in order to kind of confirm your faith and your belief in him, all of those kinds of things. And Paul says you have become bewitched, right? We talked about that term uh, last Sunday, becoming bewitched. It simply means this, becoming charmed or seduced by a lie. Only place in scripture that that word is actually used. And it's used in the context of Christians, right? Can we actually become bewitched? Can we become seduced by the lies of the world? Well, absolutely we can. That's what was happening here. And it's often what happens uh, continually in our world today. They had become charmed by a false gospel, a false message. Let me just remind us all this morning uh, that, that what you believe about the gospel matters. What you believe about the good news of Jesus Christ matters, and it matters because of this. Uh, Our belief and understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ drives how we see, and it drives how we perceive the world around us. Like, Like everything we do in life ought to be filtered through the gospel. And, and how it's transformed our lives today. And I, I hope that makes sense to you. But let, let's read our text and let's kind of remind ourselves of what's happening here uh, contextually this morning. We're gonna read verses one through five and then we'll talk about these questions. In verse one, it says this, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, has charmed you, seduced you, right? Uh, and again, these are rhetorical questions. Like, they know the answer. Paul just wants them to uh, articulate those, uh, those answers. Uh, he says, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. He was billboarded. It was like, there's no way that you could have missed uh, what Jesus has done for you, is what Paul is saying there. And then in verse 2, he says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? And then in verse 5, does he who supplies the Spirit, meaning God, to you uh, in works, miracles among you, does he do that by works of the law or by hearing of faith? And so Paul has some questions. And we're going to get to just a few more questions this morning. We're not going to finish, finish all of them this week. We'll finish uh, the rest of the questions next week. Uh, but we're going to spend our time looking at just a few of these questions. The first one, who has bewitched you, right? Who has bewitched you? Who has put you under a spell, so to speak? And that's really an important question that, that, that I think warrants us kind of coming back to just for a moment. Uh, and, and we need to ask ourselves, again, even here this morning, am I as a Christian today, being bewitched, seduced, charmed, led astray, however you want to title it this morning, am I being bewitched by a lie? Am I believing a lie about my circumstances? And let me remind you, the lie may not be as damning as a false gospel. Uh, the lie may not be as you know, destructive as what was happening here in the Galatian church. The lie could be really anything, right? You could be believing a lie right now about someone else about their character, about their intentions in your life. You might be believing a lie about yourself, about who you are in Christ. Uh, You might be believing a lie uh, that's in our world. You're just like buying into uh, the lies of the world. You might be even buying into the lies of Christian culture. You're like, oh my goodness, could there be lies in Christian culture today? Could there be lies in the Christian community today? Uh, Well, listen, let me just 
sober your minds to something. Because I, I believe, and you can kind of take this for what it's worth, maybe just like, you know, cut this part out of the message if you want. Uh, that's totally, you know, your prerogative. But one of those lies that I believe is I kind of, you know, look at Christianity in America today. Uh, one of the lies I think that will be hitting the Christian community in the not so distant future, if it hasn't already, is a lie that says this, and I'm not gonna make many friends <laughs> by saying this. I know, um, but I'm gonna say it anyways, um, because I think it's my job uh, to define what's true and what's false. Um, in, in one of those lies um, that I, I've even heard this kind of begin to infiltrate the church, and it's actually coming, some of it's coming from political figures who want to win people like you over, the Christian community, because they want the Christian vote. And, and so they will speak things that sound kind of true, but they're not true. And I heard this really recently from, uh, from a political official, but it seems to be kind of infiltrating the church. Uh, and, and it's simply, I got a lot of like shocking things to say today. Uh, it's one of those Sundays, I don't know. But, but here, here's, here's what I think is coming. It's, it's this lie that says this, getting the vaccine is loving your neighbor. If you want to love your neighbor truly, you have to be a person who is willing to get the vaccine. And let me just be the first to say this. I don't care whether you get the vaccine or not. My job and our job here as a church is not to tell you what to do with your health. And, and, and it has nothing to do with the vaccine. But once we've wandered into this mindset that says the world says this, and so in order to be a Christian, we need to be like the world. I'm kind of scratching my head here, thinking I, I don't read that in the pages of Scripture. You see, we, we don't get our cues about who we are as Christians from doctors, from politicians, from so-called experts in the world today, right? we get our cues from the very word of God. Let me remind you, church, we are called to be about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's totally fine for children to run around. <laughs> like, it's like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> it's really fine. I just think it's funny. Um, anybody else want to get up and run around? <laughs> if you're watching online, you are missing the joys of being present in, in a church um, because you never know what's going to happen. Church, let me remind you that the mission of the church, it's not political. It's not even medical, but it's spiritual. We define our mission here at LifePoint Church is, is we want to make disciples who first and foremost know life in Christ. You have a relationship with Jesus that's what we're concerned about, first and foremost. But then we want you to actually live that life out. We want you to be a disciple who says, you know what, I don't just go to church once a year, twice a year. Um, I want to be a disciple who actually lives out my faith, right? Like, I want to live this thing out. Uh, and then lastly, I want to be a disciple. Totally, come on up. I, if you can help me today, I'm totally fine with that because I, apparently I need help today. Um, that's awesome. Does that make sense, church? Um, and I want you to know, I'm gonna constantly fight to keep that mission the main thing, and if you ever hear something you know, contrary to that, mark my words, that is not uh, coming, from, uh, coming from leadership. And so let, let's move on, let's move on, okay? And let's answer a few more of these questions today. How, 
uh, how are we going to be a person, right? How are we going to be a person who walks in the Spirit each and every single day to combat the lies that we're faced with day in and day out and actually live successfully for Christ? These are the things that Paul wants these Galatians to be reminded of. And so the first question is, who has bewitched you? They knew the answer to that. That was, of course, those false teachers. Here's the second question, and that is, this is how did you receive the Holy Spirit? How did you receive the Holy Spirit? Look at Galatians chapter three and verse two. And Paul says this, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? How did you receive the Holy Spirit? Uh, Simply this, how did you come to salvation in Christ? That's an important question, I think, to not only ask ourselves, but to remind ourselves of continually. How did you come to faith in Christ? Uh, Did you show up in church? Uh, Were your parents a Christian? I can't tell you how many people I've talked to uh, and, and I've said, well, how did, how did you come to faith in Christ? And, and some people have said to me before, well, I've just kind of always been a Christian. I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's interesting, right? Um, my parents were a Christian. I, won't, I grew up in the church. Uh, let me remind you and I this morning, none of that makes you a child of God, right? None of that makes you a Christian. And so Paul says, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law, or did it come by faith? Did you do a bunch of religious stuff, is what Paul is saying. Uh, were you a person who just said, I'm gonna you know, work my way to heaven. I'm gonna do a bunch of good things in order to win and earn God's favor in my life, or did it come by faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ? Again, rhetorical question here, right? And they knew uh, the answer to that question, but that's a pertinent question for us today. How did you receive the Spirit? Let's just ask this. Do you even have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you? Is, is that even a true reality for those of you that would call Jesus as your Savior? Do you have the Holy Spirit with inside of you? You know, the Holy Spirit is such a, I think, misunderstood aspect of Christianity, and we often fall into two extremes when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And this is kind of, you know, the modern-day issue when it comes to the Holy Spirit. What is his job? What is his work? What is, what is it all about, right? Well, let me just share with you two extremes. Not exhaustive, but this is kind of two extremes that we often fall into when it comes to the Holy Spirit. The first extreme is this, is that we can kind of overemphasize the work of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And what I mean by that is this. There would be some who would say this, uh, and it really applies to the church, uh, the, the believers in Galatia, who were basically saying this, it's not enough to just believe in Jesus. Like, we need more, right? Well, here's what happens in kind of modern-day Christianity is, is some would say this, that, that in order to be a Christian, there has to be some miraculous event in your life. Uh, you have to speak in a different language miraculously. You, you have to show forth some event that the Holy Spirit is active and true in your life. And until that happens, you, my friend, are not a believer in Jesus. Now, that's an extreme, right? And I understand that not everybody uh, holds to that, but that is certainly an extreme that is being taught in our world in Christian culture today, that you need to have some sort of spiritual event. Here's the other extreme. Here's the other extreme. And I, I think both are detrimental to our faith. The other extreme is this, is that we de-emphasize the work of the Spirit. 
that we often, we're so concerned with going to this other extreme that we quench the spirit, as the scriptures say. We, uh, we kind of, we don't, we don't want to be classified as, as those extreme people over here, and so we de-emphasize the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and both are detrimental to our faith. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time debating that issue this morning, but um, there's, there's this danger that we need to be careful of going to one extreme or the other when it comes to the Spirit. And so we need to understand the Spirit. We need to educate ourselves on who the Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit of God desires to do in our, heart, our hearts, in our lives today. Remember, the Holy Spirit's the key. And if he's the key to combating lies and successful living, then don't you think we ought to know more about the Holy Spirit of God? Uh, don't you think we, we need to be sensitive through uh, walking through life to what the Holy Spirit does. I think so. And so Paul says, hey, Galatians, how did that happen? Right? How did that happen? How did you receive the Spirit of God? Was it through the law, obeying the law, following the traditions of the law, being circumcised, or was it through the hearing of faith? Now, remember who these Galatians are. Uh, this is kind of the southern region of Galatia. It was a collection of all kinds of uh, Christians and all kinds of churches, not just one church. And uh, these were uh, Gentiles, right? This is the audience. And who is a Gentile? What is a Gentile? Gentile is simply a non-Jew. Do you think a Gentile grew up with the law of Moses? Say what? <laughs> uh, do you think that the, the Gentiles and these people in this region grew up understanding everything about Jewish tradition and Jewish culture and Jewish law and all of those, the Ten Commandments? No. Like all of that was completely completely foreign to these people. And so Paul says, how did you get the spirit? Did you do Jewish stuff? Right? Did, did you, were you a religious person? Or did you come uh, to, to know the spirit of God through faith and hearing the gospel? Of course, they knew the answer to that question. It came by faith. Now, why is that important? Why is that important? Uh, it's important because of this. The, the Holy Spirit, let me remind you of something, and, and I, I think it's going to be fascinating for us to kind of walk through this and learn more about the person who dwells in you. Uh, to learn more about this intimate relationship that we are to have with this amazing creator God who says, I actually dwell within you to guide you and to walk with you throughout life. We need to learn more about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit of God is the seal or guarantee of our salvation. We're gonna get in kind of a little bit of some doctrinal stuff, right, that, that I think is important. You have not received everything there is to receive uh, regarding salvation, have you? Like some of it's now and some of it's future, right? There's coming a day where you're going to experience heaven. For some of you, are like, I hope that's a long ways away, right? But there's coming a day where you will fully experience the reality and the wonder and the intimacy of walking with God, being with God, knowing God face to face. But God, is, God isn't like, hey, I hope life works out for you and I'll see it in heaven. All right, right? Like, uh, go through life and go through all the hardships in life and I'll just see you when we get to heaven. God, it isn't like that. He, he, he said, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to give life to you. I, I want to reconcile this broken relationship between you and my father. And, and so uh, God sends Jesus, right, to die for our sins. And by accepting him by faith, we have this relationship. But God says, I'm not even going to stop there. 
when I leave, I'm gonna give you my spirit. I'm gonna give you part of me. And he's gonna be the guarantee and down payment of what I've promised to you. What an amazing God. Right? Like, I'm gonna give you the keys to heaven, but I'm also gonna give you the contract now, and I'm gonna give you a guarantee right now. Let me give you a few verses to kind of hang your hat on about that reality, this down payment of a future reality, the sealing of the spirit. That Listen, happens the moment that you accept Christ. The moment you say yes to the gospel is the moment that this sweet, sweet Holy Spirit uh, enters your life and dwells with inside of you. Second Corinthians chapter one and verse 22, be on the screen, it says this, and who has also put his seal, speaking about God, he has put his seal on us and he has given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The word guarantee just simply means it's a down payment. This is what God has done for you. Ephesians chapter one and verse 13 says this, and we'll kind of move through these quickly. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the word of truth is simply the gospel, the message of Jesus, right, for the remission of sins. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, guess what happened? You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And then in Ephesians chapter four and verse 30, Paul says something very similar. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Uh, and then one last passage, that, that Romans eight is just such a fantastic chapter uh, in the Bible really encourage you to spend some time in Romans chapter eight, but notice this. Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me just stop there for a moment. That might be the most important thing you, you hear this morning, that if you're a child of God today, you're, you're not condemned. We walk through life, and this is a lie that Satan wants you to believe. We walk through life believing the lie, I'm not good enough. I'm too broken. I've made too many mistakes, God's done with me. And that's a lie. Because Paul says right here, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you're no longer condemned. God doesn't look at you and, and, and hold, uh, hold you uh, accountable for your sin. It's already been paid for through Jesus Christ. And so Paul says there's no more condemnation. Verse number two, and he expounds upon this idea, for the law of the Spirit, the law of the spirit of life, okay, has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There's kind of these two laws. Uh, the law of sin and death is the reality that every human being is living under, born into this world, born with a sin nature. Can't do anything to get rid of it. That's the law of sin and death. You're gonna die one day, and if you don't rectify this issue through the person of Jesus Christ, you will die in your sins, and you'll be separated for all eternity from God the Father. That's what scripture says, not what Pastor John says, okay? This is a reality, but it goes on and says this. For God has done what the law, Ten Commandments, the law of Moses, right? This is all stuff that God created, right? God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, we try to make the law like, if we just keep the law, if I just be a good enough Christian, if I do enough good things, God will look at me and be like, oh, you're amazing, come on in, right? doesn't work that way. God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. What is he saying? The law, there's something the law could not do. It can't save you. It can't grant you life. And so he says, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. You should catch that last phrase. 
God did what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. Did you receive the Spirit by being religious and doing religious things, or did you receive the Spirit by faith in the person work of Jesus? Here's something we need to constantly be reminding ourselves of each and every day, and that is that the Holy Spirit, salvation, life in Christ, freedom from sin and its consequence is a free gift that we did nothing to earn. You didn't do anything to earn it. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, man, if maybe I just need to start going to church and that'll like change my life, it won't. It won't. The only thing that will transform and change your life is a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. That's it. And we sit in here in this place as a bunch of broken, guilty sinners who at one point just said, yeah, I need that. Because on my own, I'm, I'm, I'm destined for hell. I need the person of Jesus. And so, salvation, God's gift, right? God's gift, simple as that. And so Paul wants them to remember this. How did this happen? How did you get the spirit? How did this happen? It happened by faith. It happened by faith, not by works of the law. Simple, right? Simple, so important. Here's the third question, and it really ties into uh, the last question we looked at is, how did you receive the Spirit, but how are you made perfect? How are you made perfect? Look at verse number three. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? This is a question of sanctification. And sanctification is a big fancy word to just basically say this, your growth in maturity in Christ, right? How do we grow in Christ? How do we mature in our faith? Uh, and it really implies this first, and I think this is really important for us to just stop here for a moment, and that is this is that we should be maturing in our faith. You as a child of God ought to be growing in your relationship. You ought to be maturing in your faith. You ought to be building faith upon faith upon faith through every circumstance in life. You ought to be growing in your faith. We should be taking steps, right? Incrementally forward each and every day to grow. You are not meant to be a baby Christian. You are not meant to walk through life with no understanding biblically about your own life, about human nature, about evil in the world, about how you walk through the world. You're not meant to walk that way. But most of us are asking the question, well, like, well how does that happen? Right? How does that happen? Uh, that's Paul's question here. What, what are you relying on to become, Paul uses the word perfected. And that word perfected simply means to be made complete, to, to be finished. He, here's the reality. God desires that you become a finished product. God desires that you be complete in him. God desires that, that you, through the circumstances that he allows you to walk through in life, to be made more into his likeness. God's heart for you is that your faith become complete and mature in him. But the question is, how does that happen? And this is an area I think that we struggle with at times because we have a tendency to do this. We have a tendency as Christians to be like, well, I'll just try harder. Oh, I'll just go to church more. Or maybe I'll just even read my Bible more, or I'll go and do a Bible study, or I'll, you know, uh, I'll pray more, I'll study more, I'll meditate more, I'll serve more, I'll just try harder. That's what I'll do. And, and I don't want you to you know, misunderstand me this morning. Those are all wonderful, and those are all necessary habits that ought to be present in every single person's life. But it's all about your perspective. If your perspective is, I'm gonna check this off my list because I wanna do this and I want this to happen. 
I'm gonna read my Bible and expect God to do all these things in my life. I'm gonna show up in church and expect God to transform my marriage. It doesn't work that way. There has got to be an utter reliance upon the Spirit of God that we say, God, I can't go a single moment unless you invade my heart, unless you invade my thinking and transform not only my knowledge but my heart to live for and to follow you. Unless that happens, you can read your Bible so you're blue in the face. You can have all the knowledge in the world. But if your heart is not uh, allowing the Spirit to convict you, to move in you, to lead in you, you just have religion. And this is Paul's point to the church and churches of Galatia. You started in the Spirit by faith, recognizing you had nothing to offer God, nothing, no righteousness, but you came to him by faith and he freely gave you his spirit. Paul's like, why are you trying to perfect yourself through works? Why are you trying to mature your life through works of the spirit? You know, we really have no clue what this really means, I don't think. And so let me give you just some tangible things. And this is gonna be a process as we walk through this book that, that we're gonna learn some tangible things. What do we do in order for this to happen in our lives that we're able to walk in the spirit in such a way that we can not only discern the lies that we often believe, but that we can actually live successfully for God each and every day. I'm gonna give you two things this morning and we'll wrap up with, with these thoughts. What are some tangible things that you can do to make that happen in your life? Here's the first thing, okay? The first thing is this, is that we need to be honest about our sin. We need to be honest about our sin and actually take steps to deal with it. Uh, we need to look at our lives and, and say, man, if there's sin that's dominating my life, if there's a secret hidden thing, and we all at times have those things, right? Where we, we wanna hide our sin, we wanna keep you know, that, that kind of pet sin in our lives, and, 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 and as long as you're allowing that sin to dominate your life, listen, you're never gonna grow in Christ. You're never gonna mature in him, you're never gonna be perfected in Christ, and consequently, you're never gonna experience joy, peace, uh, the satisfaction of walking with, with the Lord. Listen, you're never gonna come to this place on a Sunday morning and sing three worship songs with us and it will never impact your heart in your life in any way, shape, or form. It'll be dull, it'll be stale. When sin dominates your life, worship will become nothing to you. And, and so if you want the Spirit of God to lead your life, you and I have to be willing to be honest about our sin and, and stop resisting the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me show you why that's true. Uh, I'll give you just uh, a few verses to think about. In Acts chapter seven and verse 51, Paul the apostle is speaking to kind of the religious crowd, right? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, we got God figured out. We got the law, we got religion, we got all the works, we got, you know, we got, we got it figured out. Here's what Paul says to that group of people in, in verse uh, 51 of chapter seven. He says, you stiff-necked people, <laughs> uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did so to you. You resist the Holy Spirit. And that resisting was actually resisting salvation. They had a lot of religion, but they didn't have true salvation. But the same can happen for you and I today. And so let me ask you just a simple question. Are you resisting right now the Holy Spirit's conviction in your heart about your sin? 
Because part of his job, the Holy Spirit, is to actually convict us. I don't know about you, but I need conviction. <laughs> I need the Spirit to convict me in the moments where I'm like, you're an idiot, and that's the wrong perspective. I need the Spirit of God to convict my heart and guide me into truth even when I'm not believing or following truth. This is his job, right? It's John chapter 16 and verse eight. We looked at this last week where Jesus says, when he comes, speaking about the Spirit of God, he will convict, listen to this, the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, about righteousness, about judgment. The Holy Spirit is there to judge all of us about those things. And so we need to be honest, number one, about our sin. Until you take that step, your life will never be guided by the Holy Spirit of God. Here's the second thing uh, that I'm gonna mention this morning, and that is this, how do, we, how do we make that happen? How do we walk in the Spirit of God? We need to renew our minds, simple. We need to renew our minds. I don't know about you, um, but my perspective and my thinking aren't always in line with God's. Anybody like that? <laughs> like, like, okay, everyone else totally in line with God. Yeah, you, you're awesome. <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, I don't know if you can relate to that or not, but for me, I have to constantly, 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 remember, go back to that question. Am I believing a lie about my current circumstances? Is what I'm believing true about my current circumstances? I have to constantly renew my mind about what is true. This is Romans chapter 12. It's found in other areas of what, as well. But notice Romans chapter two, in verses one and two, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, speaking to the church, speaking to Christians, speaking to you and me this morning, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You wanna worship God? You wanna worship God? Wake up tomorrow morning and say, God, my life today, whatever you wanna do, I will give it as a sacrifice, living sacrifice to you. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean what you think it means, right? It means simply, God, you do whatever you want with me. It's a really easy Christian thing to say. But when Monday morning hits and all the conflict and all the chaos and all the challenges hit, we're like, no, God, I don't want this, <laughs> right? Because there's no, wait a minute. Worship of me is recognizing that I'm sovereign in your life. And I want to work through your life. And I want you to be willing to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. And then notice what he says this in verse two, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. The evil, the corruption, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewal of your mind. That by testing, the testing of your mind, your knowledge, the things that come into your life, you may discern what is the will of God, not just for your life in this big picture, but in the moment. What is the will of God and what is good and what is acceptable and what is perfect? Boy, we could spend the entire time just on this and how it relates to our world today. How do we keep ourselves, right, from being conformed uh, to the world? How do we keep ourselves from believing lies? How do we prevent ourselves from becoming bewitched? Paul says, renew your mind. Renew your mind. The only way that happens is through the word of God. Through the word of God. Let me just close with one last verse. In Colossians chapter three and verses nine through 10, this is another example. Paul says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. There is an old life, and there's this picture constantly of putting off something and putting on something. You still live in the flesh. You still have a sin nature. 
And the putting off is a daily habit of our lives. We're like, man, I gotta put this off. I'm gonna put on what has been given to me. In, in verse 10, this is gonna put on the new self. And catch this, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. What does it mean to be renewed in knowledge after the image, image of its creator? It means simply this. We need to learn, first and foremost, what is being made in the image of God look like, right? What is being made into God's image actually look like? What is this character? What, what is the things that he desires and loves? And if those things are his image and he's implanted it upon you, how do I actually live out that image in the context of everyday life? How do I do that? These are the things that we need to grow in and learn in and teach ourselves. Listen, church, know him. Know him. This is God's desire. That word know you find in scripture, it's actually the word gnosko. And it doesn't mean just like fill your mind with Bible knowledge and get all the facts right, and have your theology right, and all of these things, it just simply means this, that you would know me in such an intimate way that you can say, I know God, personally. This is the God who has died for you, who loves you, and desires for you to walk with him moment by moment by moment through life, through the good times and through the bad times. So I'm gonna invite our worship team back up as we I get ready to close this morning, but let me just leave you with this bottom line this morning because I I hope and I pray that this sticks with you, that, that you would recognize what you possess through Jesus. Would you stand with me as the worship team comes as well? That you would recognize I have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling with inside my life. Peter would say, hey, look, you have everything that you need for life and godliness. Remember that scripture? You have everything that you need to succeed in life and to live a godly life for God. You've been given it all. And it's like I said last week, we have this amazing power and access to us through God's spirit. But we kind of put it in our back pocket and we're like, yeah, I got that card. But we never take it out and flash it. We never use what we have through the Holy Spirit to navigate the challenges of life and to get on our knees and say, God, help me. I cannot navigate this moment apart from you. Here's a shocker. There's nothing you can navigate apart from the Spirit of God. And until you get that in your head, you will live a frustrated Christian life. You will, you will live a life that is uh, powerless until you realize every moment of every single day and every breath I take, I need the power of the Holy Spirit to guide me and to teach me and to refresh and renew my perspective. You can't do a single moment of life successfully without God's Spirit. He's the key. He's the key. God, this morning, we are so grateful for the simplicity of your word. God, we're so grateful for the depth and breadth of what you've given us through your spirit. God, help help us to know your spirit more. God, help us to be sensitive to your leading. Help us to be willing, Father, to allow you to teach us what is true and what is false that we might live successfully for you in this broken, chaotic world that desperately needs the light 
in the influence of these people right here in this room right now. The world needs these people to be a light in this community for you, that they might see true and authentic Christianity, that they might see the truth of the gospel, that they might see the work and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Help us to stand for truth. Help us to be willing to focus on the mandate that you've given us, God, to go and make disciples of all nations. Help us to live powerful lives, not powerless lives. We thank you, we praise you, we worship you. We pray that it would be so with us as we leave here today. In Christ's name, amen. Would you worship one last time with us?